0: You take the time that you need to take to to deal with the loss of the loved one, but, you know, you can't continue to put it off. Certain things are going to need to
1: happen. That's when you need to call, you need to call your attorney. As a financial advisor, if we've done a financial plan, we might walk through an, an older financial plan saying, understanding that all of this has changed now, but this is where things were. What questions do you have? Today on The Upbeat, we're talking money and legal matters.
2: When you lose your significant other, it's not only personally devastating, but it can be financially devastating as well. It can mean the loss of income, a dramatic shift in managing the family's finances, and a lot of stress when thinking about the future, especially when children are involved. We're fortunate to be joined by two experts to help us navigate these topics, financial advisor Adam Pearsall and attorney John Asplund. In addition to being experts in their respective fields, Adam and John are also longtime supporters of Kelly's Angels, which I'm personally grateful for. Before we begin, I want to make it clear that the information shared today is meant for informational purposes only and doesn't represent personal, legal, or financial advice. You should always consult with a lawyer and financial advisor when making these kinds of decisions. All right, let's dive in. First, we're going to focus on some of the financial questions that a surviving spouse has to contend with. To help us make sense of it all, I'm joined now by a friend of mine, Adam Pearsall, a certified financial planner and senior vice president for UBS in Glens Falls, New York. Adam, thanks for joining me on the Upbeat. I understand your passion for investment started when you were just six years old. Tell me what sparked your interest.
1: Certainly, Mark. Uh, you know, back at that age, my, my interest was primarily at Christmas time looking through catalogs. You may remember flipping through Montgomery Ward and Sears, and maybe JCPenney
2: For those who remember what, what catalogs were, right? it was yeah. a
1: few years ago, <laughs> uh, and you know, obviously focusing on the toys at that age. And what I really wanted for Christmas was a green ride-on little pedal tractor. And at that point, my my parents couldn't afford such things as that. Uh, but my father, who was already doing investing on his own, decided that he wanted to encourage me eventually to investing. So he purchased me one share of John Deere stock so I could look through those nice annual reports that they used to do that were all glossy and look at the pictures of all the tractors. (laughs) And he hoped eventually that I would start to look through and realize there was numbers there as well and start to learn about the company. And it worked. And it has worked. And I will say that I still have that John Deere stock. It's now three shares because it's split. Um, and I'll probably never sell it. How, it means a lot.
2: And how long have you been in the business? From that first investment all those
1: years ago, how long have you been in the business now? Uh, in, in terms of being an advisor, being an investor and an advisor. advisor. If I'm not sure, you can really count starting at six as an investor. Okay. But if you, if you bear with me with that, uh, that would be about uh, 39 years now.
2: 39 years, so uh, we've established your bona fide. so let's talk about, this is a a podcast about perseverance and hope, and it provides advice for those who've suffered a loss or who are going through a a loss or a life-changing illness. So we wanna get some financial advice. First of all, um, what sorts of things should widows and widowers, people who have suffered a loss, financially speaking, what should they be doing? Uh,
1: The first thing to do is really take Step back and take a deep breath. Uh, there, there's significant life changes. You really don't want to change things too quickly. Don't rush into it. Don't want to rush into it. The first step, really, after taking a deep breath, is to reach out to the trusted advisors that you've used all along. This may be financial planners, maybe financial advisors. Uh, maybe banking professionals, uh, attorneys, your tax preparer. So it's not a time to go shopping for new people. It, it is not. The, the first is to, to understand who you've worked with in the past. And in a perfect world, you know, every meeting both spouses would go and meet with a professional, that's not real life. I mean, we see it all the time. We try to encourage both spouses to come in, but often it doesn't happen. Usually there's one person who is wired a bit more for handling financial things, and they take it and run with it. And when something occurs, where you've got one person left, could be you know, tragedy where someone has been lost, could be divorce, could be another situation. Uh, that other person that needs to connect with the people who already know their financial situation perhaps better than they do themselves.
2: So, in that case, what's, what's the first, assuming they have a trusted advisor,
1: what's that trusted advisor then going to do assuming they've suffered a loss? Uh, the first step really will be to learn a little bit more about them and where they are today uh, and also share with them sort of where they stand. Again, you know, tax repair could walk through and say, "Well, here's your last tax returns. Do you have questions?" Uh, someone who's a financial advisor, if we've done a financial plan, might walk through an older financial plan, saying, "Understanding that all of this has changed now, but this is where things were. What questions do you have?" Uh, there's also certain things that really will need to be done if someone passes, uh, transferring over uh, accounts from someone's name was passed to whoever is inheriting that. Some of this
2: can be daunting, can it not? From someone who's just suffered a loss, even if they've waited a few Indeed. weeks or a couple of months.
1: Indeed. How, what's your advice in that regard? Uh, going back to you know working with that trust professional that already knew your situation, is it an easy way to get started? Uh, and from there, you can also gauge, do you want to continue working with them? Uh, it's not something you would want it to immediately change, but you may try to figure out if you're on the same wavelength or not. Uh, something I tell people all the time, when they come to us uh, as wanting to be considered to be clients is i will tell them i could be the best financial advisor in the world they could be the best client in the world but we're if we're not on the same wavelength we shouldn't do business together which is a difficult decision for both sides yes it, right? it, it is it absolutely is so you know working with people that were already aware of your situation you're still also kind of testing them out to see is that somebody you want to continue working with it may be, it may not, but you don't want to make a decision right at that moment after something has happened.
2: We often think of financial planners as wealth managers, but what if someone finds themselves in difficult straits, in difficult financial situation after the loss of a spouse? I mean, can you help in that regard? Can a, a good financial planner help then?
1: Absolutely, that, that actually becomes critical if there's a significant change in income, if someone passes, for instance, is to sit down and really understand where you're at uh, some of that comes to a word that I will use that always has a stigma around it and that's budgeting And I always recommend that people don't think about budgeting. They think about getting the most value for every dollar and Let's talk a little bit
2: about life insurance because very often if it is a loss of a spouse there is some Life insurance involved there wasn't in in my particular case, but I understand that there is because Kelly was so young but there are uh, life insurance situations where someone will get a, a large life insurance uh, payout. Um, what's, what's your advice in, in that regard? What do, how, do, how, how can people best use life insurance associated with the loss of a spouse?
1: Yeah, that is a very individual decision depending on what their circumstances are. Uh, in some cases, some folks may feel most comfortable paying off a mortgage. In a lot of cases, that may be what the insurance was meant for. Uh, there's some circumstances where a lot of insurance is there and like in my case i have insurance uh, for when my kids to go to college god forbid something happened to me i want to make sure they can go so i have insurance that carries through when they would be in college
2: and and have you designated that in such a way
1: yeah how, how? It, it is simply a policy there's one of my wife and one of myself that both of us know and that's what it's for
2: so if you pass before your wife your wife
1: knows that that should be used for college education Precisely. And, and vice versa. Precisely, you Now, there's nothing set in stone. If she really wanted to, she could run off and buy a Ferrari. I don't think she's gonna do that knowing her, uh, but there certainly is that, that possibility. And beyond that, um,
2: is it common for uh, a surviving spouse or is it common for a living couple to name their children as beneficiaries in the event that they're both lost?
1: In general, if their children are minors, Usually, the attorney would set it up that the funds would go to someone who's a custodian for those assets, uh, but certainly, after they have, are you know, 18 or 21, it is typical that parents you know, might leave something at that point.
2: How do you find the right financial planner? We've touched on it a little bit, but what, what sorts of things should people be looking for in a financial
1: planner? Uh, you know, that, that is an excellent question. Uh, you know, I referenced earlier that probably the most important thing is you're on the same wavelength. Uh, But there are a number of things that really should be asked when you go to interview a a financial advisor, if you will. Uh, One, ask what their qualifications are. Uh, Certainly, the certified financial. They range
2: dramatically, don't they? They
1: do. They do. Uh, The the financial planning industry uh, has one main designation of certified financial planner. There's also chartered retirement specialists. Uh, Really, you want someone that you feel you can trust. Uh, that has some training in what they're doing and they're not someone who's simply hung up a shingle And you can find out what their qualifications are again what training they've had uh, You want to ask what services they offer? You know is this a, a financial professor? You're going to that really only sells insurance or only sells stocks or to the your term used earlier Are they wealth managers will they be able to help you with everything and really have an overview and make sure everything You're trying to do works together to get to you or you want to go you'll want to ask if they have a fiduciary duty so legally, do they have to act in your best interest? They need to put your interest first as a client and disclose any conflicts of interest. So if they're looking if, to sell you a product, they need to state that immediately. Correct. You know, if, if they are unwilling to say they're a fiduciary, then you you may have a different idea of where they're coming from. Um
2: so what is what bottom line it for me, someone has suffered a loss or is or, or perhaps is going through an illness right now, what should their First and second
1: steps be after again after contacting the the current professionals, uh, it can be taking a step back, uh, particularly if you said just experienced a loss, and taking a look where they're spending their money, and really think about what they want their life to look like. You know, are there things they want to change? And that's not something you you might do immediately. That might be three or six months down the road and have an idea of, do you wanna stay in the same house? Are you downsizing? Are you moving to a different area? Uh, and then from there, interacting with the current financial professionals, you may find that the service that they offer are, are not what you need. And that's when you may end up starting going looking a bit more. All right, this is a podcast about hope. Uh, we're coming out of a
2: pandemic now, I, at least I, I hope we're coming out of a pandemic now. What do you remain hopeful
1: about? I, I guess what I remain hopeful about is just that in the end, people are good people, and you, you can look for all the the little bits of kindness that you see every day. Uh, certainly with the traffic lately, sometimes I wonder about that statement <laughs> yeah, admittedly. Yeah. Uh, but going to the grocery store, people who hold doors for each other, a smile, whether or not you can see it behind the mask, just a sparkle in the eyes, uh, and and the amount of grace that that people extend each other at times right now. We may not always see that in the media at times, but if if you watch people interacting together, you see it.
2: Adam Pearsall, Senior Vice President for UBS in Glens Falls, New York, thanks for your time. Thanks for chatting with us today.
1: You're very welcome, it's been a pleasure.
2: We're going to take a quick break now to thank our underwriters. When we come back, I'll be joined by attorney John Asplund, who will help us navigate some legal considerations that the death of a spouse can bring.
3: Stay with us. Support for The Upbeat comes from the Beaubare Family Fund, which supports charitable organizations that efficiently use the resources they have to make a disproportional impact on the world around them. The Cartier Real Estate Group, a trusted boutique brokerage in Saratoga Springs, New York, that helps clients navigate the complicated and often unpredictable process of buying and selling homes. From expert guidance throughout your transaction to ongoing advice on improving market value, the Cartier Real Estate Group works to help clients at every price point realize their residential and commercial real estate goals. Learn more at thecartiergroup.com And Noble Ace Hardware in South Glens Falls, New York, which offers competitive pricing and high quality products for just about anything you need. For more than 30 years, the team at Noble Ace has delivered on its promise to be the most helpful hardware store in town by providing excellent customer service that exceeds expectations and reflects family values during each and every visit. Now back to my dad's conversation about money and legal matters.
2: Welcome back. You're listening to The Upbeat. We just heard some tips from a financial expert. Next, we're going to turn to legal matters that all families should be mindful of, especially those who have suffered the loss of a spouse. To help us, I'm now joined by my friend, John Asplund, a managing partner at a Glens Falls, New York law firm by the name of Fitzgerald Morris Baker and Firth. The view from 10,000 feet, what's your advice to those who have suffered a loss and find themselves suddenly as the only breadwinner or the only provider for their family?
0: You know, Mark, to the extent that you can ever prepare for the worst case scenario, we try and help people do that. Uh, My partner, Carl Baker, speaks uh, often on... These types of uh, topics, and one of the phrases that you know he uses a lot is is, uh, "substitution of judgment planning." And what that really means is, um, for people, when when you're able to make certain decisions, and and everybody puts them off because nobody wants to think about what the horrible realities can be, right? So, you know, and and I'm I'm guilty of that as well. I mean, I, I worked at the firm for a number of years. Before Baker said to me, Hey, let me see a copy of your will. And I was married and I had two kids and I didn't have a will. So he thought that was outrageous because I was working at the firm. So, you know, that's the that's the beginning of the substitution of, of uh, judgment planning. What what you need to really try and do when you can do it is to look as far down the road as you can. And there's there's a few a few documents that if you had them in place and you ha- and, and that catastrophic event occurs. Having these two things, if you only had two documents in place, um, and 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 I mean, it, the catastrophic thing could be the actual loss itself, or a series of events that the loss is is imminent. One of the things that we we preach on is you know a, a durable healthcare proxy. Basically,
2: what's it mean to be a, have a durable healthcare? Well, proxy? so
0: basically, what that means is you you get you get somebody who you've met, love, trust, you put them in the uh, position of making what could be, you know, some end of life decisions, but, but you need to have somebody in that Position that you trust and understands what you want. So durable,
2: they will endure the test of time. You know, yeah, it's not that, that, someone that you can change out in a couple of weeks or a month. Or.
0: Right. Well, you, you, these are documents that you can change. So, you know, for example, I guess if if you had a um, a healthcare proxy that you thought understood what you wanted to have happen under certain circumstances, and then you know you're having dinner and that person expresses something to you that indicates that. They're not going to abide by the wish that you have. Then you come back to a firm like ours and you say, hey, listen, I, you know, Mark's a great guy, but we're not, we're not on the same page anymore with this issue, so I'd like to have somebody else. The healthcare proxy puts, you, puts someone in a position, if you're not able to make decisions, to make these decisions, and whether that means that you're going to be on a ventilator or not, or you know, resuscitation or not. Um, or the decision to be on palliative care, pain management, you know, towards the end, towards the end all those things, that person has a, a massive amount of ultimate, in a sense, control at a time where you're just not able to exercise those decision-making steps. That's for dealing with doctors, dealing with those folks. The, the power of attorney is the, is the document that most people should probably make sure that they have, which allows people to do basically, and it depends on which power of attorney options you choose. Some of them you can put somebody in the position of making, if you can't, all these decisions for you, financial investments and so forth. Do
2: parents naturally have the power of attorney for minors?
0: You know, uh, the, the law provides that you can make decisions for your minor children. But you know, when you get the when you when you're heading off through your freshman year, or whatever you know, college or university, at some point you're probably going to hit 18. Now you're you're an adult, you know, and you're trying to explain to your kids, you know, when you when you make a goofy decision when you're when you're 16 and 17, um, you know, you call a guy like me, and I can probably get you out of it because you didn't have the capacity to contract and be bound, right? It's this way, if you're if your child's off at school and you need to do some banking, for example, for them with the power of attorney you can you can do certain things that you can't uh, once they become uh, of the age of majority. So, you know, when you have your joint account, if you have if you have a joint account with your child, you can continue to do the things you do. If you had one of those guardian type accounts, now all of a sudden th- there's no guardian anymore necessarily because that that child's turned 18 or now they're 19. So you need to have some other form of uh, authority. And that's what the power of attorney would allow you to do.
2: If you haven't planned, the, the key is to plan, right? To, right. To,
0: to do those things in advance. Absolutely. You haven't
2: planned, you've found yourself where you've lost a spouse either through uh, passing or through divorce or some other means, I don't know what other means there would be, but if you haven't done the planning and then you find yourself in that difficult position, are there any alternatives? What, what do you,
0: what? There, there are. I mean, there's always, there's always some alternative choice that can be made, right? Sometimes the spouse has no idea about anything. The house, the money, the finances, the investments, the debts, you know, they're just, they're, they're just, just that's just not their part of the responsibility. So you really then need to get in with someone who is knowledgeable in that field and, and say, here's my situation. What do I do? And then that attorney is going to say, well, how is the property held? How is it titled? Who's the beneficiary? So, like life insurance uh, policies, even. Um, when people get divorced, sometimes they forget to change the beneficiaries. Well, you know, if you got divorced from your spouse and then something happens to you and the life insurance policy kicks in. You might not want your ex-spouse to be the one who gets yeah. the money, so you got to make sure that you know it gets you know co-beneficiaries with the with the children, or if you don't have children, a, a, a family member or a friend. So that's stuff that's if you didn't plan for it, you can still make some adjustments on.
2: Can it be done without breaking the bank? Maybe that's not the right term, but can it be done? Uh,
0: that's a that's actually the right term. Is that, it? Yeah. yeah, that's really the right term because. Um, if you can do some, if you do the advanced planning, right? If you title your house in a way that if you die it automatically passes to your spouse, say you bought it before you were married. And then once you get married, you have to redeed it, you know, tenants by the entirety and, and some other legal f- phrases that apply. You gotta get those documents in order. If you do, you can avoid the cost of having to maybe probate anything. And that's the process where you go to the surrogate court and the surrogate court has to hear the 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 party's positions on distribution of assets, basically, that's the that's the big, and it's not break the bank necessarily. It can be, um, and and you could pay a firm like mine or or others that do you know trust administration work an awful lot of money um, to do things that you could have avoided incurring the cost by doing them early. So, um, making sure that you have um, properly titled assets, could be an investment account, could be your life insurance, could be your pension documents. You need to make adjustments during the course of your life that you can ensure that you're going to avoid the, the money that is involved in going to court. If someone finds themselves in, in the
2: situation where they haven't prepared, they haven't done the planning, which you suggest and recommend, and they've suddenly found themselves not knowing what to do, where to turn, are consultations
0: expensive. Consultations are not—at least, I can't speak for everybody. I can speak for at our firm. Uh, consultations are not ex, are, are not expensive, and we're happy to sit down and talk to people. And we send you a little packet of information, and basically, the packet of information is a is a you know ten thousand view foot view description of the types of documents that are available. Some people some people may need a trust because of Certain you know financial aspects of their life some people just want a simple will some people you know power of attorney the healthcare proxy so what we do is we give you a sense of the types of documents that you could be looking at we give you a sense of some um, some range of costs you know maybe it's Somewhere between $1,000 and $1,800, depending on what you're trying to do. It's not, it can be a little a la carte, but we like, if you're doing a will, we, we also really suggest the healthcare proxy and the power of attorney in order to keep the costs, um, however you want to describe it, as low as possible. Some people may call it reasonable, you know, whatever, whatever you want to describe the situation as. We'll send you a, a questionnaire, right? And that questionnaire is going to, if you fill it out, and you take the time to do it and, and put some careful thought into it. When we get it back, you've answered a lot of our questions. So now, our, maybe our first face-to-face meeting, instead of it being an hour and 40 minutes long, maybe now it's like a half hour long. Cost is always, I think, determinative of value of the service that you're getting. Um, you, listen, people go online and they go to Zoom yeah. Legal, Zoom or whatever that's called, Zoom Legal or whatever. And they're like, well, yeah, I could do a will for two hundred dollars. I'm like, you could, you absolutely could. Now, if you do, and then that document becomes operative. Who would you like me to tell, uh, you know, you did this wrong too? I said, when we're fighting about something that we could have absolutely avoided, and and you know, attorneys make money. You know, on an hourly rate basis, generally speaking, I do it as a, as a courtroom attorney. I advise people every day how to avoid needing me to go to court. You know, and, and somebody said to me this week, they said, Well, it's like you're talking, you're talking us out of, out of your money. I go, I am. I said, But attorney and counselor, I go, the counselor part is I'm trying to give you advice, right? So I don't want you, I don't want you to pay me if you don't have to pay me. So what's going to happen if somebody passes away? Um, if they have a will, that will is going to be probated. Um, that process can can start quickly, or it, it, you, you don't have to start it like you know the next day. Uh, it could be within several months after the the person Is there passes. is
2: there an advantage to starting sooner rather than later?
0: It really kind of depends, I think, to a degree on what that individual decedent's um, assets and liabilities were, perhaps. So you need to get people in place. And if you don't have any of these other documents, well, so listen, your healthcare proxy obviously ends when you die. So does your power of attorney, okay? So if you don't have an executor and you're not, you don't have something to probate, so you have to go into surrogate court, get the process started so that somebody can finish making sure that the mortgage payment gets made, right? Practical things. Uh, addressing uh, bills maybe from a, a long-term healthcare facility that need to be addressed. Um, so, so is there a, an, an immediate call to action? Um, no, you, you, you take the time that you need to take to, to deal with the loss of the loved one. But you know, you can't continue to put it off.
2: John when an obituary appears in the paper or online, surviving spouses can receive a, a lot of unsolicited calls from people who claim to have their best interests in mind. What advice do you have for how surviving spouses can avoid being the victim of a scam at a time when they're so vulnerable?
0: The scam piece is really probably, um, in today's day and age, something to be aware of. And, and, and there's got to be a huge hesitancy, right? So our, our advice to people is generally, all right, listen, if someone calls you uh, from an unfamiliar number, and they're telling you about your your deceased loved ones, you know, business relationship with them. Yeah, you're not giving that person any information. You're not giving any, infor- you're not signing anything. You are not allowing them access to the property. You're not doing any of those things that you wouldn't have done if that person hadn't passed, right? So you wanna maintain a, a, a defensive posture when you get barraged with all these folks that are, they're trying to help you.
2: It's a podcast about perseverance and hope. How have you personally persevered? Have you? Um, we've all faced challenges. Can you think of one that you've faced uh, in particular, John, where you've had to persevere?
0: I, you know, I deal with other people's problems pretty much all day. Um, I don't have any lawsuits of my own that I'm that I'm litigating. So I I get to see people uh, persevere through personal. Through tra- tragedy, um, and it, it, it you now we represent somebody now that, that suffered a, a absolutely devastating loss recently, and it, it, it's it's heartbreaking, but uh, like rewarding at the same time because you're at, at somebody's most vulnerable point, we're able to help them. I've had family loss. I've had, you know, personal setbacks. Um, you know, it, it, it's I, it, to see someone persevere. Uh, I Two family members. Uh, both with cancer. Decided they weren't going to let the disease control the, the, the course of what the rest of their life might be. and And both of them are, you know knock on wood well today um you know my uh had an uncle didn't feel well pancreatic cancer gone within five weeks so you know you deal you, you I guess the, you know you know the best you can do is deal with yeah try try to keep on keeping on yep
2: thanks John. man Great job. Thank you. Well done. On our next episode of The Upbeat, I'll be joined by award-winning poet and author Kimberly Pittman Schultz, who will share some very practical and useful tips that can serve as an emotional flak jacket for coping with grief and living with loss without losing yourself. Until next time, I'm Mark Mulholland. Take care and stay on The Upbeat.
3: If you enjoy The Upbeat, please subscribe and leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have topics you'd like us to cover on The Upbeat, please send your ideas to theupbeatpod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. On behalf of the volunteer board of Kelly's Angels and the families we help who are facing life-threatening conditions, thank you for listening to The Upbeat.
2: Nice job, McKenna Rose.
3: Thanks, Dad. You too.